They're not regular arrows. Okay. Come on, come on. No. Throw it. Play no arrow? Ah. I can't see nothing. Hit the wheels with the putty arrow. Oh, great idea. I'll do that as soon as you label these damn things. You know, it should be a lot easier if we were facing the other way. You were facing the other way. Yeah, just that they were communicating. Bonus episode. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Left and break it, a Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Only talent. It's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hello, this is Randall Park, and you are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the Leftovers. Yeah, I'm not even doing it. It's a bonus episode. I'm not doing the cute little fucking intro, Jake. <laughs> I like it. Right to the, right to the goods. <laughs> yeah, right to the goods. Yeah. Uh, we're joined by, uh, Neil Tholander from, uh, Smorgasbork Podcast. Welcome, Neil. Thanks for having me. Really yeah. excited to talk about some Hawkeye. Hawkeye, Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Uh, yeah, Neil, still, I'm still looking for a new number one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember back when you were my, when you were first christened yeah. my, my number one? You must have been on, cloud nine and actually not right now you you are number nine so um there we go. how the tables have turned uh <laughs> <laughs> how the turntables have you know <laughs> all right yeah let's workshop that one a little bit more neil <laughs> <laughs> watch the office, I forget. Oh, yeah, I, i'm sure all of our office listeners are in hysterics right now <laughs> um guys before i'm gonna let all of our listeners take a, a break there uh catch their breath and then we'll we'll get it we'll jump into hawkeye episode three after all the all the laughs are out i don't want anyone continuing to listen to our Hawkeye review as they're about ready to pass out from laughter, Neil. Um, oh, man. Good plan. Yeah. No, Neil, I appreciate you being on, man. I really do appreciate you being on this week. This week we're just doing uh, the Hawkeye bonus. It's December, a um, lot going on right now, and so we're going to be doing Hawkeye bonus episodes. We're going to come back after – next week and do Hawkeye ep- uh, episode number four, and then a week later we'll do Spider-Man – no way home, uh, followed by Christmas where you'll get nothing. Uh, but, <laughs> and so, and then we will return, uh, the week after, uh, with a regular episode, I believe. I think it'll be a regular episode after that or the Tupperwares. I haven't looked at the, the calendar, Jake. I have no fucking idea. But, uh, yeah, let's. Yeah, all of, all of our listeners have been naughty. They get nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're basically, it's, it's at the end of, uh, the Willy Wonka movie. You get nothing, you lose. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> you drank, uh, the, the fizzy bullshit or whatever, the fizzy water. Get the fuck out of here, you little cunt. <laughs> I want the R-rated version of the, of oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not too hard to imagine, right? That's not too far-fetched. Not too far-fetched. No. Uh, this episode of Hawkeye, episode three, uh, Jake, I didn't even get to talk to you about the first two episodes. What did you think? Yeah, I thought they were a lot of fun. I, I love the Christmas theme. Um, I, I think the, um, character interactions between, um, Hawkeye and Kate could be a little bit better just on an acting end. I think they're, they're written pretty well. No, you don't, you don't like, you don't like Haley Steinfeld anyway. That's all, that's all it comes down to. I mean, I actually, I actually think more of it is Jeremy Renner's fault. I feel like he's a little bit 
one note on the emotions that he's presenting so far in these first three episodes. I think it's what they're giving him, to be quite honest with you. He's a very, I think he's just, he's, he's coming into this, uh, character right at the beginning and he's not really opening himself up to her because he just wants to get back to his family. They've been gone for five years and he doesn't want to get attached to this girl. He just wants to put this all behind him, I think, and get back to his family. And now we're finding, you know, now we're finding out in this third episode, He's actually opening up to her a little bit more, and we'll talk about that as we break it down. But I think that, that it was designed that way in the first two episodes. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. It's just not a chemistry that I'm enjoying very much. I did think the third episode was my favorite of the three by far, though. So I, it was just a yeah. lot of fun. I love a good car chase and the trick arrow stuff, which is so much fun. And yeah, yeah, I'm excited for the uh, you know the kingpin of it all, and we definitely got some teases for that in the, in the third episode. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. I, I, I'm i honestly having way more fun with this show than I imagined I would going in. Okay. Like, I, I've kind yeah. of fallen into its charm. It, it has been a lot of fun. I, The jokes have been few and far between, but when they hit, they really hit. I, I, I almost fell out of my chair at the uh, Imagine <laughs> Dragons joke in the third episode. <laughs> and I thought Haley Steinfeld's facial reaction to um, – him re- responding that way and saying that he loved the Imagine Dragons was just was just great. So I, yeah, I haven't like I haven't let my dislike of Haley Steinfeld outside of this show <laughs> affect my judgment of this show. It, I think it's been, it, yeah, I think you've seen her in like a couple things and you know her from your from her music and you just dismiss her. I she's fantastic. I, True Grit is one of the best. Uh, she's a fantastic child actor in that movie and it's a it's just a great movie. I. I I just don't have this disdain for Haley Steinfeld that you have. So it's just like, it's beyond me, sir. Yeah. And I've kind of admitted that it's, it's an unfair disdain, but it's unfair or not. It's still there and I can't shake it. So, but I, I don't know. This might be the thing that, that breaks me of that opinion. Cause eh, I, there's, eh, we'll I'm not disliking this show in any way whatsoever. Cause I'm like, Oh, Haley Steinfeld. It's just ruining this for me. I, I haven't thought that once so far. That's good. So if, if anything, I've been more critical about just one note Jeremy Renner and how just sullen he is for three entire episodes. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't lump him into the third episode being that way. I think he's opening up more, and I think it's by design of what they've kind of given him for this series so far. And I think we're waiting for the payoff in his relationship with. Uh, with her. So I think, I think it, it's going to be a little bit of a slow burn with that relationship, but I think we're on our way. Neil, what have, uh, what have you thought about? We're going to rate this episode at the very end of our review, by the way. Uh, Neil, what did you, uh, think about the first two episodes? Yeah, kind of like Jake. I, you are robotic like right now. As much as I do. You're so robotic right now, God dude. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Neil, you were talking about what you thought about this series so far. Yeah, so much like Jake, I uh, didn't have very high expectations going in. I didn't really expect to like it a a whole bunch more than I – like, it's weird because I I expected it to be of a certain Marvel level and to to be good. But I I fucking love this show. It's – I think it might be my favorite of the four we've gotten so far. Um, I'm I'm, I'm, – absolutely loving the interaction between Renner and uh, Steinfeld. I think they, they, especially now that they're, that he's opening up and they're becoming a little closer. They're the way they're playing off of each other is really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, and I, I I finally, when the show came out, I finally had the impetus to finally watch black widow. So I was, because I wanted to get Yelena's backstory before I saw her in this show. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the way the show is going and what we may see in the future, which we'll talk about soon, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that. But I don't know what to do about this new kitten I have because he is fucking jumping. You guys have heard me knock into the mic, and it's my cat. It's my new kitten (laughs) that I have. And now he's trying to attack my headphones. Yeah, the podcast is going to be – it's going to be different now, Jake, because (laughs) – Oh, God. All right. Hold on. All right. So I had to put the kitten in the bedroom, and he's going to be crying the entire time, and I feel awful, but, I mean, there's really nothing I can do, Jake. 
Yeah, that's a that's a hard situation. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll take a bunch of breaks, and you know, I don't mind that, and uh, <laughs> make sure he's okay quite often. Oh, I know, Jake. Break. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's just dive into the actual episode, which was titled "Echoes," and uh, it is directed by Burton Birdie, and. Yeah, so we kind of start off. I just want to actually start off in the episode talking about how, you know, um, we're introduced to the, the Maya Lopez and she's a young girl. And this is 2007 when we first meet her. Uh, and she's a deaf girl and she's going to a regular school. And, um, but we also find out a lot about, uh, like, uh, her extracurricular activities. I, I do want to talk about, I, yeah, let's jump straight into like her going into karate class. And, uh, that's like the first time that we notice that she has a prosthetic lag. Did, is that part of the comics? Cause I'm not familiar. I didn't, I did not know that that was part of the comics. I, I think not. It's the actor, uh, who plays Maya. It has a prosthetic leg and is deaf. Oh really? I didn't know. I didn't know that the. I knew she was deaf, yeah. but I didn't know she actually had a prosthetic lag in real life. Yeah, I looked it up because I was really confused about that too, and that's what it said on her, in one of her little blurbs was that she has a prosthetic leg, and she's not really been doing much acting before this either. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, what? So, but but that's the older actor, not the young girl, correct? Right. Yeah. So they made it part of the younger actor's character, I guess. Okay. So, okay. Continuity wise. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's not in the comic. I just fact checked it. Yeah, I didn't think it was. Um, we see that kid get taken down. Uh, you know, the, in 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 the karate match, there's a a younger kid and he gets taken down by the, this much bigger black kid that's in the class, and. In the credits of the episode, that kid is listed, the, the kid that gets taken down is listed as little Kazi. So that's Kazi as a, as a kid who. Mm. Oh wow, I had no idea. Interesting. We see Kazi in this episode. So basically, Kazi has been growing up with her his entire life. Um, yeah. and then we get the scene of, of her father who, we saw her father talking to her about, you know, you know, dragons and, and uh, she asked if dragons were real. And he, he basically says, like, you know, oh, they're not real, but, you know, maybe they live in a different world. And and um, and I think what, you know, and and she asked, like, what would happen if they came in our world? He said they'd be stronger. And so I think what he's trying to say here, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, you know, ooh, we saw dragons in, in Shang-Chi, the great protector. And I think basically what he's trying to say is, like, you have – you know, you are deaf and you're living in two different worlds. And because you're going to have to not go to this deaf school that you wanted to go to that we can't afford, um, you, you're going to be going to school with, with, with other kids that, that don't, that aren't deaf. And it's going to make you stronger being in both worlds is what I believe what he's saying. And that's, a, that's a hundred percent right because she's sad that she's not at the all deaf school. And he basically uses that exact metaphor you described as a way to make her feel better and stronger about what he has to do. And, uh, I mean, we don't really know if that's for financial reasons or if he just so much wants to instill into his daughter, like learning these two worlds, like being a better person and a more useful person to him. Well, I think it's my, it might be uncle too. I mean, honestly, this character of uncle that might be like, no, he might be controlling a lot of like this young girl's life unbeknownst to her. Yeah, exactly. So it might not have anything to do with finances, just that they they kind of want to mold her into the the person that they're going to use in the future. Well, yeah. Um, I also wanted to point out that it's interesting that she looks at herself as the dragon and you know, in so many stories, like there's the princess being saved by the night. And she's like saying like, not, she's like, I'm not going to be the damsel in distress. She's also not going to be the fucking knight. She's like, why can't I be the fucking dragon? <laughs> yeah. Which I think is cool. Cause like there's so much of this, yeah. like, you know, damsel in distress and like, no, I don't need anybody to save me. I'm going to be my own knight and stuff like that. That's been played out 
now she's saying I'm going to be the motherfucking dragon. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Oh, yeah, she's a super cool character. And I, I thought they did a really great job introducing her. Like the, the flashback was just long and emotional and dramatic enough that it really worked for me. Yeah, same here. And it also really uh, highlighted the isolation that deaf people can feel um, when you're kind of cut off from so much of the world. Like that, that scene in the, in the school room when uh, the teacher is talking and she's, she can read the lips obviously, but only when the teacher's facing her. So you can really see how it can impact some, a, a child's education to not be able to have those, uh, those special uh, considerations taken for, for deafness. Oh yeah. It, it, it's really fantastically done and it's a great way to introduce this character. Well, I, thought I, was- I loved that scene. I also loved how little they did with the, the teacher at first being upset and then seeing mm-hmm. that she's actually doing the homework in the book, just not necessarily what she's talking about since she right. can't like, you know, read her lips when she's turned around. I, I thought a little went a long way in, in explaining that dynamic. Well, Neil yeah, talked about subtle. Too, Neil yeah. talked about the isolation that she has. And if you read what she actually filled in and then in the fill in the blanks, there's one where she like fills in like, you know, um, games that she plays or something like that. And the game is solitaire, which is, you know, card game you can play by yourself. And then, so I thought that that was like very telling of like how she feels right now. I think maybe, you know, she, she definitely has a friend in Kazi, but other than that, we really haven't seen her, you know, connect with anybody, of course, in the tracksuit mafia, because they're all idiots. But <laughs> and then we, we get the scene of uh, of her going to karate class, and then she takes out the much bigger kid. Now, after class, this is when we first get our introduction to to her uncle, which that laugh to me... It sounded just it like, like Vincent D'Onofrio. It sounds like Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, who, you know, everybody's been speculating is going to show up in this series. And I think it's undeniable. So if they make it someone else other than Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> that this uncle is, which, you know, they could make it. We do know of, you know, uh, Haley Steinfeld's. Uh, Kate Bishop, her, her dad is missing, you know, or, or presumed dead. And we, you know, in the last episode, we kind of talked about how like we never saw a body. He could still be alive. You know, if they make it to where it's actually Derek Bishop and not the Kingpin, I will be, I, I will be pissed off at this series more than you'll ever because, <laughs> no, because seriously, there's so many different teases in WandaVision. There were so many, like, the, the the season of WandaVision, we don't know who the villain is. You know, is who's the villain of WandaVision? And so we're all thinking Mephisto. And then, you know, and, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's like, who's the power broker? And then in Loki, it's like, you know, who's the villain? Is it is it Kang? You know, like, we, we're all guessing. The Quicksilver of it all is the one that, like, pissed me off, too. I, I'll never forgive the Ralph Boner <laughs> shit. But it's the same oh, yeah. thing in every show, yeah. where we're always trying to guess who the villain is. And then they're trying to, like, put it off on maybe it's some other character. Maybe it's a Mephisto. Maybe it, maybe the power broker is, you know, this person in Marvel. And it always kind of, like, you know, like, we're always kind of trolled a little bit. And we were in different ways. And I feel like the fact that, we get a scene of her pulling up in her motorcycle to an auto repair shop called fat man auto repair. And like, of course we're all thinking fat man. We're thinking Kingpin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like that right there is like, are they fucking with us there? Like if it's not Kingpin at the end of the day and we see fat man auto repair, like who else could, who else could that be? It's the rhino. <laughs> get fucking Paul Giamatti in there. <laughs> yeah, and there's. It's also so enticing because there's like the comic connection too. Like that, the, these two characters are very connected in the comic. Like he raises her and sends her to the schools and does all that stuff in the comic. Well, yeah, that's so. It's that, like even yeah. more of a fucking like slap to the face if it ends up not being the kingpin. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I do want to jump to the part where. You know, her father is killed and, and he says, you know, fly away little dragon. So a part of me is thinking to myself when he's saying this, why is he saying fly away little dragon? Is he saying like get out of this life? Cause we can see his dad is dressed as one of the tracksuit mafia. 
and this business is probably a cover for some of like their criminal shading underground dealings that they do. Is he saying fly away little dragon to get out of this? And now it just gets her deeper into this world because we see her dad, we see her dad get killed by Ronan and I I do have a question about this. Do we really think that that was Clint there? Do we think that that was Ronan? Uh, I do. I don't. Go ahead. How, why do you think that that was Clint there in that moment killing? I ju- I just the think father? that that's the most dramatic. It's definitely been sold to her, to us that he did a lot of bad things as Ronan. Sure. I don't think the show's ever tried to deny that he was you know doing very terrible things when he assumed this persona. Um, and this just seems like right up the alley of the kind of things I imagine. Like, that's why the, these criminals hate him so much. I think it's a possibility, Jake. I just don't – I'm if I'm – if I had to take a guess here, I don't think it, we're going to find out. I believe that eventually, you know, Milo Lopez Echo is going to take a turn and it's going to be against the Kingpin. I think we're going to be following her in her own series. Of course, they've greenlit her own Disney Plus series. And I don't see her turning over and being – we're either going to fo- we're going to follow a villain if if I, I think if Clint is the one that ended up killing her father, I think what happens here possibly could be that maybe someone hired someone as Ronan to kill her father to get more control of her and her abilities. I mean, we know in the comics that he groomed her because she had these abilities and made her into this fierce warrior that would fight for him. And so maybe to get her father out of the way and take more control of her life, maybe Kingpin was the one that hired someone to act as Ronan and kill the father. That way he could get more control over her. I and, like that theory a lot. Well, hold on. Let me. Really I, I, I still got a lot more into this theory that I want to talk about, though. It's like they talked about the news said that they hadn't seen the Ronin in a couple of years. But do we know when this happened? This could have happened after Clint had hung it up. He's done with being Ronin. You know, maybe someone posing as Ronin after, you know, Black Widow talked him out of getting out of that life, showed up and, and, and killed the father. And now Kingpin has even more control over Maya. And he said, you know, the father said, fly away, little dragon. Maybe the dad himself was thinking, like, I need to get out of this. And so, like, his dying words were like, fly away, little dragon. And it could have been – there's a number of people it could have been that – besides Clint that killed the father. We we know Jack Duquesne is good with the sword, Um, you know. And we know possibly maybe maybe Yelena, maybe Yelena yeah. Belova was was hired. Maybe or, that's why Jack wanted to buy it so much was because of the experience he had. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or Eleanor Bishop herself, Kate's mom as Madam Mask might have been the one that did it. So I, there's there's multiple people that could have done it besides Clint. I think that Clint, he even alludes to in this episode, like what he his dealings were with the tracksuit mafia and we'll talk about that later but that's my main that was my question here was like do we think that this was clint here and i think that there's a good chance that it wasn't clint i don't i don't necessarily think that if if she's if she's going to be a good guy going into her own series i don't see if clint did it i don't see there's any way of her reconciling uh her differences with clint and kate at any point in this and, and taking on a hero persona yeah, that's a very good point about her getting her own series. I, I agree that it's probably not going to be a villain series, and it would be a hard pill for this character to swallow to forgive Clint if he did indeed do it. Right. Yeah, I so, agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think what you're saying has, has a lot of legs. Neil, thoughts? Yeah, I agree that it, it definitely is a high possibility, but I, I, I'm i stuck for myself thinking we only have three more episodes of this, so that seems like a lot lot of convolution to introduce to a show that only has three more episodes that's where my head is at um that's why it makes the most sense for me to think about how much shit they had to wrap up in the last episode of wandavision and in the last episode of loki (laughs) it's true you're not wrong i think a 15 minute kingpin flashback could wrap all that up even less probably that's true i mean it can be done i'm just saying that for myself yeah I view it as like it, it's it's also more 
um, it's almost more of a of a more emotional arc if it is Clint, and then they have to reconcile. Like that is more of a character thing that could be done that they may want to lean into yeah but i think it's more of a big thing and the overall big picture is if she is connected to, if we do believe that the kingpin is in this and he's been raising her and calling him uncle her entire life that severing off that relationship and marvel likes to do this neil like with the whole you know gamora and nebula thanos relationship they like to do this i i think if these characters are going to move forward in their own kind of like underground world uh, you know, possibly going forward with maybe a Daredevil series if we do get Daredevil. And of course, we're getting, you know, a season of Echo and we're seeing these characters kind of like move on and do their own thing that they might want to connect it more to D'Onofrio's Kingpin if this were the case. Like if he were the one that betrayed her and had her father killed, um, you know, hired someone to take on the, the Ronin mantle and just be like, OK, yeah, this is our time to do this. Yeah, it would serve twofold, too. It would also make echo hate ronin which would also serve the kingpin's narrative and what he wants well kingpin like probably, not only does it keep her into the fold but it has her wanting to kill someone that's an enemy to him yeah definitely you know that ronin was probably out there looking to kill kingpin and couldn't get a hold of him so that's definitely a possibility but we don't know if kingpin was snapped we don't know any of these things we'll find out hopefully as the series goes on um we've got the scene of clinton kate being held in the uh old kb toy store warehouse um the actor pietor adamzik who plays tomas the uh the the one <laughs> the one that was talking about you know uh uh, the imagined dragons and everything. He actually is, uh, he, in the Polish dub versions of all the Marvel movies, he actually is the voice of Ant-Man voiced by, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He does Scott Lang's voice. He, he's, he's the voice of Scott Lang, you know, uh, Paul Rudd's character, but he does these in the Polish dub. So I think that that's pretty cool. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, we get Maya sees that Clint has a hearing aid, and so she cuts the tape off his hand so he can sign. I thought that this was a really cool scene. We find out, of course, that Clint can't sign, and she says that he relies too much on technology and says maybe maybe you might find out you're better off without it. What I liked about this, as soon as she finds out that he can't sign, she wants to have his hands. I like the, the, that she was considerate enough to let him sign. And then when she finds yeah. out that he can't sign... She's going to have him, you know, his hands bound again. And Clint, being smart, puts his hands behind him. And and that way he can fucking cut, you know, he can cut the uh, the, the tape off, which I thought was really cool. Um, but Clint tells Maya that the Ronin is dead and that he says Romanoff killed him. So Black Widow killed the original Ronan. He's just trying to put this all behind him and protect Kate and get out of this whole thing so he can get back for Christmas. And metaphorically, it's kind of true. She did kill. Yes. Like, yeah. In his, in, in him. Yeah. You know, by saving him. Yeah. I think he meant it that way too. Yeah. Same here. Like it, it came through in, his, in Renner's performance. That I that's agree. What he was going for. So, um, yeah, Hawkeye gets free. We get this whole fight in the, uh, in the warehouse. I, I thought the warehouse fight was, was a lot of fun. Of course, you know, we can see so that funny. Clint is like, he's basically like trapping guys or incapacitating them so that they can't fight. He's not killing any of the tracksuit mafia. Right. And, uh, yeah, there was a very like slapstick element to a lot of the action scenes in this, in this episode, which I really appreciated because it, it injects just enough humor, but it, but it's, it keeps the stakes high enough. Yeah. It, it just was really well balanced with, with the funny and with like the actual like consequences of the actions. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot too. The ball pit was fun, you know? And, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, uh, when, when, uh, when they get out of the warehouse and they see the 72 challenger, of course, <laughs> If you read the comic book, uh, Hawkeye number three, you remember, you know, this, the, the whole, the whole, you know, car chase scene in that issue. And they actually were in the Challenger. But in this one, they, they, they skip over the Challenger because Clint does like, I don't want to destroy that 72 Challenger. 
<laughs> and uh, they do this amazing like action uh, car sequence, and they do it just like they did in the Alfonso Cuarón Children of Men movie, where like the camera pans mm-hmm. and tilts from like the back seat of the car. And it's fantastic! It was A really total fucking cool. Too, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I like even how the camera kind of came out, and we got to like watch Kate lean out of the car with like you know the trick arrows and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, oh, no, oh, oh, um, yeah, I want to talk about the, uh, different, do you think Kazi's going to become the clown like he did in the Hawkeye comics? Mm, I don't, I don't give it a high percentage of a chance. Like 20%. Okay. <laughs> I love your percentages and how you come to them. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm a little bit in Neil's camp where it's like we only have three more episodes. I, I'm not sure we'll have a season two of this. I think it's going to continue elsewhere. I know. I think like I, if I, we get a season two announcement, which I think like if we do get a season two announcement, I, I, it, I, it could ha- then this this kind of stuff could that, happen. That raises it to a sixty yeah. percent. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they could they could, they could just definitely kill the character off. He could never take that that arc. But you know, I, until I hear about a season two, I'm not going to count it out either. Um, That's where I'm at with it. Did you guys uh, notice the uh, name of the moving trucks that they this this uh, the mafia uses? It was like you know, Move a Bro or something like that. Trust a Bro. Trust a Bro. Trust a Bro. Yeah. <laughs> it fucking cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> The, we get a bunch of different trick arrows. We get like this, uh, purple Play-Doh arrow is what she called it a Play-Doh area, arrow. The, the one that hits the windshield and like turns into like this goo and shit all over the windshield. Uh, we get the acid arrows, which I thought was like the dumbest scene ever because it made no sense. Like, <laughs> I mean, she hits the, the, take out the, the stoplights and it's like, what? What did that do? There was no purpose to that. I didn't understand that whole. Uh, it caused more confusion with uh, all the other cars moving around because they no longer had stoplights. We didn't see any of that though. It's like they they knocked them out and then like the next we didn't see. It was a failed. It was a failed. Yeah, there was an overhead shot and it like narrowly misses hitting a car and then it really did nothing. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't appreciate that at all. Like I thought like okay, acid arrows. What are they gonna do? Just like hit a tire or something like that. Dissolve a tire. Yeah. Ironically, that's one of the few that she actually knew what it was going to be too. Yeah. And, and yeah. it was used in an ill-advised way. Yeah. Uh, we got the explosive arrow, which killed the driver, of course, in that car a hundred percent. That thing fucking that, that van blew the fuck up and then flipped over like 10 times. Uh, and the engine block totally hit the guy in the chest. Yeah. We got the, the we got a couple of the, the grappling hook arrows. We got the one like grappling hook arrow that like pulled all the Christmas trees to the <laughs> the car, and then we got that USB arrow, and then she the used plunger a, the plunger arrow. Plunger. The plunger arrow turned out to be really cool at the end, um, yeah. where they you know he used the grapple arrow and then slid underneath that bridge they landed on top of that subway car and then he fucking oh that train and then he fucking used the plunger arrow to like you know hold on <laughs> but that they also used the Pimtech arrow which i thought was really yeah. cool um and uh yeah that was wild i did not expect that to happen until that i did was fucking fantastic <laughs> well i mean the the pim particles if if you're watching these movies the pim particles that are blue like the 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 pim disc that we see the blue one it makes shit grow and then if the pim particles are red it makes things shrink so as soon as they zoomed in on the arrow and we saw the blue it was like okay yeah that arrow is going to fucking blow up <laughs> and it was it was really cool it was really cool coming down that huge arrow coming down destroying that fucking truck um what does he do with the USB arrow? Is that like, does he like hack computers with it and shit? Mm-hmm. What's going on there? Yeah, he actually <laughs> used a USB arrow in a previous movie. Was it Civil War? I can't remember. He used a USB arrow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's it's a... It's pretty cool. Yeah, you actually see the USB arrow being used in a previous movie. Oh, that's neat. It was a funny scene, just having it bounce off the tracksuit <laughs> mafia. I, I definitely laughed. 
So like we can guess that like he get he got all the, like the the pim particle arrows from you know all the time that he spent with Scott Lang in the in the raft is probably right. you know afterwards they probably gave him some pim tech which is really cool. Um, we get the scene of him getting the call from his kid Nathaniel, and he thinks it's his oh, wife, man. and Kate helps him because his his his. His hearing aid was destroyed. It was broken. So, yeah, yeah I thought it was cool. I, I liked that scene quite a bit. I thought that that was really helping the relationship between Kate and Clint here because, you know, she's seeing these tender moments that he's having with this kid and it's, it's making him like she's got this hero complex with him, but now she's seeing his, him more as just like a dad mm-hmm. as just a human. And then he's also seeing her not as like, like this annoying kid that's fucking ruining his Christmas. She actually helps him here in this moment. And I think he was really thankful for her being around and helping, you know, with his kid. I, I, I loved that scene. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. This scene got me really emotional. Just like the Christmas family stuff of it all. And just, Knowing the history we know with Hawkeye and his family, it, 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 I definitely like swelled up watching this scene. Oh yeah, same yeah. here. It was it was a really touching moment, and it, it's that's kind of what I was alluding to with with seeing their chemistry. Like it seems like that where they're real people having like real reactions to things, or yeah. you know they're, they're nurse, nursing their wounds. Like that's when they actually get onto the subway and they're sitting there and they're, they just kind of almost have like this moment of silence. And then, you know, Kate starts talking and then she's like, she's like, her. we got to, <laughs> she's like, like, we got to take the, we got to take the dog out for a walk. He's been cooped up all day. Yeah. They both say the same stuff. I love yeah. that scene too. I thought that was a very yeah. sweet scene. Yeah. I think the writing's solid. I, I just, I think, I don't know. I think Renner just isn't selling me on it. Like I, I think the writing's better than Renner's doing with it. I think Renner's doing a great job personally, just kind yeah, of I, like playing this stoic kind of like. I don't want to be looked at as a hero. I'm not a role model. Um, I, I just want to get back to my family, you know, and, yeah. and pushing her away. I think Render's doing a phenomenal job here. It, he reminds me of, um, like Dean Winchester in the, in this show from Supernatural, kind of like that super stoic yet has a lot of gooeyness inside, but is trying not to let it out. Yeah. And like, yeah. I'm getting a lot of that from his performance in the show. I never watched Supernatural, but what you just said, I get it. I get what you're saying. Absolutely. And that's how I feel about it too. Yeah. I just didn't have 20 seasons to dedicate to a show. <laughs> uh, so I watched the first two seasons of Supernatural. It was okay, but yeah. Once I fell off, I was like, oh, I'm not going to catch up with 15 seasons. Yeah. It's all on Netflix. It's all on Netflix. Yeah. 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 So is everything else, Neil. <laughs> so is every fucking thing else that people need to watch. It's like, how much time do we have, really? Um, we get a scene of uh, Kazi talking with Maya about uh, this whole thing of them trying to find out who the Ronin is. And this is not what they're supposed to be doing right now. And it's kind of getting out of hand. And he says that they need to keep a low profile and hope that uncle won't find out. He says, he won't be happy. So why would uncle not be happy in them seeking out who the Ronin is? Hmm. Just because it's drawing attention, maybe. Yeah, he makes it seem like it's they need to keep a low profile. That the thing he's going to be mad about is that they're like there's news reports about oh, yeah. stuff they're getting into. But yeah. with, with the theory that you proposed earlier, it would make sense that he also doesn't want them digging too deep into the identity of the Ronin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if he was behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you wonder if maybe Kazi knows about it. Mm, maybe he was the Ronin. I mean, I, I agree with your theory that Hawkeye may not have been Ronan there, but I think Kingpin's smart enough at this point in time, if it is Kingpin, to know that the Ronan that she's after isn't anything he's affiliated with. Yeah, but it might also lead him to the real identity of who, who killed her father. Who killed her father, right? 
I mean, just stay away from anything Ronan at this point. Now, he's he got what he wanted out of it, if that was the case. Like, he's got complete control over her without the father's involvement at all. And for her to dig into this more, it might just, like, reveal, like, he was involved somehow. There might be something out there that is the evidence that, you know, tips her off that, you know, Kingpin was behind this. Maybe Kazi, maybe Kazi knows this. And because yeah. we've got to, we've got to like, if, if she's going to be a good guy going forward, we got to sever her relationships with Kazi as well. Right. And so like, that might be like why, you know, she just leaves this life altogether and goes to battle against whoever is, if it is Kingpin. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I dig if it is Kingpin, then any, any snooping is bad. Snooping could lead to her finding out things that'll, you know, ruin the relationship that he's, you know, taken so much care to create yeah uh, clint gets his uh, hearing aid fixed we get the conversation in the diner where kate is talking to her dad uh, talking to clint and she says my dad was fearless and his whole life was about helping people are we going to find out that that was true or not probably I think I, mean, I, do you, I think there was something fishy going on with her dad. Well, that, that's what I that's what I'm saying, and I think that's what Neil is saying too. That we're going to find yeah. out if he's good or not. You know, if that's true or not. And yeah, we're going to find more about his past as well during this show. I think. Yeah, yeah, and their wealth and where it came from. Yeah, yeah, because we you know we know that the the penthouse was made by her great 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 grandfather and. Where did all their money come from? I've got, I don't know. I've got some There's wild There's been such theories. an emphasis on, on the wealth and the money that I do agree that it's There's going to be some kind of payoff. I think where it's, it's by nefarious means that all that wealth was acquired. Well, I don't know if he acquired it by nef- nefarious ways. Um, if maybe he found out a family secret and was had to like go on the run and use the uh, Chitari attack as cover to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, it could yeah. Be. Maybe it's tied into why they wanted. Uh, I don't know. Never mind. I scratched that one. <laughs> There's a lot of like ways this could go that we don't really have enough information to kind of follow any kind of rabbit hole. I do want to get into the whole Kate wanting to be a hero thing that happens, but um, do you think what do you what are the chances that her dad Derek turns out to be this evil boss and it's not Kingpin the guy we see in the black suit is her father I don't I don't think that in 2000 because mm. well hold on the scene that we I don't think it is either guys but oh, I know in 2007 that's before that's five years before that's the scene that we first see you know whoever's playing uncle we see their hand and they it's a black suit we even see a cuff link which we know that you know, you know, uh, Kingpin in the, in the Netflix series had all those different cufflinks, the fancy cufflinks, and it seems like it's Kingpin, but it's, it, uh, these fucking series are so misleading <laughs> and they troll us so much. I know. If it wasn't for the massive trolling that has happened in three previous yeah. series, more than one time, right. I would just die on the sword that this is 100% Kingpin, but it's like, right? oh, man, <laughs> I don't want another stab wound. Yeah. <laughs> to be suspicious of every possibility we may think up. Which I feel, and I may say this every time, but I feel like this is the one. Like I, I'm, so, I am so convinced here. I feel, even this is the worst offense if it's not Kingpin. This is worse than any offense they've done yet. All I know is that I went back and listened to that laugh because that's all we got was that laugh from her uncle, and it sounds like exactly. D'Onofrio. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It does. I mean, I, I wonder if there's a little bit of confirmation bias uh, creeping in with that, but it does really fucking sound like him. And unless they they hired someone who can laugh just like him to throw us off, it, yeah. it's, it's got to be fucking. Dumb. That's why it's the meanest troll job ever. If yeah, it, if it's not him, <laughs> that, that's just those are the things that add up to this just being a real dick move. If it's not Kingpin, I agree. Um, Kate says that she, you know, she wants to be a hero. It's been her dream. Clint tells her that it comes with a price, sacrifices and things you'll lose forever. Um, and then we get the scene of her talking about his branding and how he needs a more recognizable costume. And then she draws like the classic costume that we've seen in the comics and says, uh, she also says this. 
she says, what if it was all black with a mask and a hood? And then gets into how we, uh, and then she gets into like how he can't talk about who Ronan is. But I do think when she says, what if it was all black with a mask and a hood that she does suspect that it was him? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. She's definitely saying that on purpose. Um, we get conversations, uh, Clint with Clint talking about the tracksuit mafia and what they are. And he's talking with Kate. He says they started small, but grew, or at least the guy at the top, he'll do anything to grow the operation. Kate says, I thought Maya was the boss. Clint says, no, there's someone above Maya, someone you don't want to mess with. Kate says, there's obviously bad blood with Ronan, right? And Clint says, yeah, Ronan hit the supplier on the other side and then hit tracksuit upper management. So the supplier on the other side is probably when Rhodey in Endgame is talking about the, didn't he, didn't he talk about the Ronan fucking going after some kind of like cartel in Mexico or yeah. something? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and then hit tracksuit upper management, which upper management at, at that time, who knows who it, you know, would have been. Well, it's, it was Echo's dad, right? If that's, yeah. if that's what we're, if, if, if that's the case, then Clint probably did it. If it's, if, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that one out myself. If that was like, you know what I mean? If that was, because yeah. the way that that other Ronin was moving too, flipping around and shit, it just, I, I don't really see Clint fighting like that a lot. It felt more like a widow fighting, like a, like a female widow, hmm. the way that this Ronin was fighting. And it could be, it could be Jack, uh, Duquesne. It, it could be Clint, but, or as know. Jake said, it could be Yelena. Oh, I said Yelena as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I yeah. You guys said it. But yeah, I, we, we know he probably was trying to disguise himself from who he was. So he probably ad- adapted a completely different looking fighting style from what we know of Hawkeye when he was as the Ronin persona. I just feel, it feels weird to me that like, as soon as Jack gets his hands on the sword and the, was it the first or second episode? He immediately retracts it. It's like he's used it before. Yeah, that's a good call. I, I mean, but it also could just be like they know what it is. I mean, oh, we saw it. Retra- we saw the guy retract the blade the when he was holding it, yes, it up. Yes. Yeah, okay. I, and I do agree with Neil that I kind of like the story better. It being Hawkeye, I like Echo having to reconcile with the fact that her dad wasn't a great guy and turning a new leaf. And still becoming a hero, even though yeah. Clint did this. I don't know. About I think that. that's the more dramatic story. I think it's a stronger character arc for her to have to go through that rather than, you know, to have uh, her preconceptions just crumble and then like, oh wait, this is the good guy that I was following. Yeah, I just think there's got to be something about you know. I think they got to backtrack a little bit on Clint just going around murdering everybody. <laughs> well, again, like that's also another strong character arc for him is if he because he's got has to reconcile with himself. We yeah. saw a little bit of it in Endgame, and we've seen a, a taste of it here in the show. But for him to like actually come to a reckoning about what he did is, I think, going to be a really big moment for him as a character. We'll see if they can pull it off. Whatever they can pull, if they can pull it off, I'll be happy. It's just mm-hmm. we'll see, we'll see. Um, let's see here. Uh, then we also get a, oh, I'm, I'm reading my notes here to make sure if I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to skip over something that I think might be important. Okay. Uh, they're talking in the car, Clint and Kate. Now they're in the car and they're talking and she says, uh, Clint says, do you think the tracksuits were after anything else at the auction? Now we know that they were after the watch and then. He says it's pretty upsetting to think that there might be stuff from Avengers Compound floating around out there, which there is. Mm-hmm. We know that the watch was item 268 from the compound. And we know that, you know, Avengers, we talked about this last week, Avengers issue 268 deals with the, with, with Kang. I talked about the whole Iron Lad theory, possibly. Um, 
Kate thinks that Jack is behind something. She says that, you know, he was at the auction. He used his sword like a professional. He has everything to gain from his uncle's death. And so they're like, okay, let's go look into, let's go into my mom's penthouse. We're going to go look through her files. They look through her files and they find out that Kazi is an employee of Sloan Limited. Now, there's a couple things here for Sloan Limited that I want to talk about. If we're going with a comic book connection, it might be Jason Sloan, who is a partner at the law firm of Broderick, Sloan, and Cranston, which um, Matt Murdock, Daredevil, eventually joined. And we find out that Cranston and Broderick were villains. Uh, Cranston, who is uh, the, the villain Mr. Fear. And so this could be, you know, another connection to this Daredevil Kingpin storyline that might be happening here in um, in the Hawkeye series. Um, but if it's not another Daredevil Kingpin connection, when you look at Sloan Limited on the screen, it says that the company was founded in 2011. Derek, her husband, died in 2012. Was she setting up? something to happen was she funneling money into the tracksuit mafia under sloan limited is it is 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 eleanor bishop funding possibly the tracksuit mafia possibly the kingpin what if she is the new kingpin's version of like i'm not maybe she's not vanessa but maybe maybe she has just been working for the kingpin and her husband's she's just been taking their fortune and funneling them into the kingpin's businesses here like you know like think about like what is she doing now she's getting with getting with someone else that's going to be very wealthy here you know armand you know in the first episode said i should have known that this empire of yours would be built on a lie and she says by myself from the ground up so whatever you think you saw is not true what if he saw her with, and Joe said last week, maybe he saw her with Derek. Maybe Derek's still alive. That could be the case. But what if he saw her dealing with Wilson Fisk? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I could see it. I could see it. I still think it all leads back to how did they get their wealth. And, I mean, she could very possibly be, like, behind the scenes on that evil stuff. I, I could see her donating the money to Wilson Fisk. And being behind it, because it is still a mystery what she said to Armand and why Armand was so upset with her in the first place. If she's donating so. the money to Wilson Fisk and the tracksuit mafia to keep that organization going, then Jack Duquesne has a lot to worry about here. Because he's going to be, once they get married, he's next. <laughs> Yeah, I, that would be, I love that arc actually. That really falls into how that character just kind of is, like just pulling all these strings before you even know they're being pulled. So she's like actually a Black Widow. Yeah. Not, not the uh, spy version, but like the classic term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. And so then the episode ends with uh, Clint walking down a hallway and uh, the sword, the Ronin sword being held to his neck. And we see Jack saying, don't move. And that's where the episode ends. Uh, so these fucking cliffhangers, man. They're yeah. So Every episode has one of these Every fucking episode. clips. Yeah, definitely. They all have a cliffhanger. They are, they are annoying. God damn it. <laughs> I hate the kind of cliff. I hate when they do the kind of cliffhanger that they have to rewind back 10 seconds in the next episode, too, yeah. and the show is all about that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a classic way to do things, which I guess if it's a stylistic choice, fine, whatever. It's still annoying. <laughs> um, I want us to go ahead and rate this one. Uh, I am going to be playing our rating system if this is your first time listening. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. First off, I want to know, uh, Neil, what would you rate the first episode and then the second episode? 
Uh, I would give both the first and second episodes high taste I thought they did a really good job of getting me into the show, getting me on board with what was happening, and really just establishing the general tone of what we were going to see for the rest of the, of the season. And, yeah, I, I really enjoyed what was happening, other than the fucking cliffhangers, but it... it, it seems very like a natural progression of these storylines. There's nothing that's coming out of left field, really. And I, I really appreciate that. Okay. And what did you... Uh, did you rate this one? I did not yet. Go for it. Uh, I, I would rate this episode a Tupperware. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the introduction to Echo um, and, and just kind of the, the deafness awareness that is is really present in this episode. Uh, it's been it's been around in drips and drabs for the first two, but in this one it really bumped it up, and we got to see just all the stuff that goes along with that. Uh, I really love the humor in this in the show, and, and uh, this episode really bumped that up too. Uh, where it's it's a very naturalistic and like unforced kind of humor, but it, and it fits the moment. Um, but it's not like that quip a second um, stuff we got in in, in Avengers uh, from Whedon. Uh, so yeah, I, I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. I thought it, the show is finally getting to where it wants to be. Um, the first two were more like a setup, and this one is like, okay, we're, we're we've gotten past the beginning. This is what the show is going to be like. Here you go, and I fucking ate up every minute of it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'll worry. I, I gave the first episode a taste of the second episode a high tasted. I'm gonna stick with a high tasted on this one. Um, I love how they're portraying, uh, Echo's, you know, uh, her being deaf and everything. My biggest problem with how they portrayed her in this episode is she's just not as menacing as I would hope that she would be. We're talking about a character that can mimic other people's abilities in the comic and, and she's just kind of like a badass. I was thinking like, honestly, thought Taskmaster was a little bit more intimidating in the Black Widow movie than what we've gotten from Echo in her action scenes in these. And so I think that they really need to step up, like, how much of a badass she really is by the time they finish the season. Because right now I'm really not impressed with, you know, what we've seen from her in the in the warehouse fight in particular. I mean, very cool fighting style. But I was, I guess I was expecting a little bit more. And I don't know if it comes down to like, you know, she's a little scarier at the beginning and then you gotta watch, of course you gotta be scared of Clint too when he gets his hands on a fucking bow. And so I just wanna see a little bit more from Echo. And overall, I, I just, I, I, I think the Hawkeye series just hasn't been, you know, phenomenal. Like I, 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 I had a lot more fun with fucking Loki and WandaVision. You know the, those first few episodes in, and um, maybe this will get, if 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 the series will get better for me if they fucking if they do, it will get better for me if they do introduce D'Onofrio number one. Well, yeah. <laughs> Anytime but, you added D'Onofrio, but I'm saying like Jake, if they don't, I can't see the show getting any better for me. Like that's yeah. the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, it's it's such a fucking dick move, and it's the kind of thing they have to do before the sixth episode. Like we're gonna know yes or no before the sixth episode. So it's and, really gonna like. And, and here's the thing: it's like it's like and people will say like, "Oh, you're not liking it because you were wrong because Kingpin wasn't in it." No, that's not it. That, that's you're wrong for saying that. <laughs> I'm upset because they're teasing him so fucking hard. They're even calling a auto auto repair shop Fat Man Auto Repair just to. Yeah. They're making a character sound like Vincent D'Onofrio. And if it's not D'Onofrio, I don't appreciate the troll. I don't, I, I, I think it's, I think that it, that's what I don't like about it. Like, if you're not gonna give me Kingpin, that's fine. Don't go out of your way to tease him then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're introducing a character being raised by a mysterious uncle, and in the comics, she's raised by the Kingpin right. as her father. Like, it's just, there's so much fucking, and I'm not saying that just because it happens in the comic, but it's, it's one more thing. Like, to where, oh my gosh, just, it has to be Kingpin. They show a the character of- wearing a suit with cufflinks, all this shit. 
Yeah, the tweeting from D'Onofrio himself. Yes, it's just it's and like I'm mad at I'm mad at him if it's not Kingpin too. I am too. <laughs> I'm, I'm upset with He's him. He's not off the hook. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jake. What are your ratings? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you guys. I think pretty much. I I think the first two episodes were a taste it for me, but I, I think the third episode was a Tupperware for me. There was so much I just really liked. I I loved the introduction of Echo. Um, I, I like the warehouse fight scene quite a lot. Um, I like the the kingpin teases so far with the assumption that I'm <laughs> really going to get what I want. Um, I was in love with the, uh, like you called it, Alfonso Caron style car chase sequence. I thought that was the best action sequence of the show so far. Um, the show actually got me emotional with the phone call scene. And so I this one really fired on all cylinders for me. It it was real Marvel magic. I was surprised to see it after two episodes that I didn't hate, but I wasn't just like goo goo gaga for them. And uh, the third one really, really got me. I I thought it was great all around. I'm glad you guys enjoyed the third one as much as you did. I'm still waiting for that Tupperware episode for me. It's just, um, this might've been the best episode, even, even with D'Onofrio introduced. I I think it's a hair better than the second, but I, I, I'm still not at like, like, oh my God, this is, yes, finally we're, you know, we're hit, we're firing on all cylinders. And I think they could do a lot more with Echo that they just haven't done with like her fighting and stuff like that. I just didn't feel like she was as menacing in this. She, she tried to crush a dick with her prosthetic foot. Okay. All right. Fair. Okay. Then I'm sold. No, I'm just like. That's pretty fucking menacing. I mean, I guess, you know, she does, she uh, tries, she, she tries to choke Kate, you know, out. And, you know, yeah, I guess, that was menacing, I suppose. I, mean, I guess she probably learned that move from Wilson Fisk. We can assume that she learned that choking <laughs> from him. Next, she's going to go to the old head and car door move. <laughs> what, were, what were you saying, Neil? Uh, you mentioned something about an interview with the showrunner talking about the basically slipping up with the uh, sound and how we're maybe get some answers in the fourth episode. With and I'm wondering if that's you. I think you had said something about it being uh, Kingpin in that one. I'm sorry, I'm not following right. what you said. Last week, last week when you were talking about episodes one and two, you you were talking about an interview that the showrunner did and how they slipped up and started the say. Oh, after you see the yeah, oh yeah, after you see the yes, 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 yes. The 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 showrunner. Um, uh, there was a uh, interview that she had uh, online, and she said they're asking questions and. She says, uh, uh, after you see the, f- and she started an F word and then stopped herself. Um, so yeah, it sounds like she's either going to say fourth or fifth. And so hopefully, yeah, hopefully this, this fourth episode will give us that kingpin reveal. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Previews make it seem like we're seeing, uh, Yolina next episode too, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The- IMDB says she's in three episodes, but. It said she was in four before this episode. Yeah, of course. And then after next week, it'll drop down to two. So yeah, IMDb doesn't know what the <laughs> fuck it's doing. But it does feel like from like the the teaser trailers and stuff like that that in the fourth episode we're getting Yelena. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen her face, but we saw the kind of comic accurate like green IB mask thing that she wears. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Real quick, real quick shot of that and that uh, that teaser. But yeah, uh, looking forward to next week. And uh, this is all you're getting this week. We will be back next week for Hawkeye episode four. And then the week after that, uh, we're going to be coming back for the Spider-Man No Way Home review. But uh, yeah, Neil, I want to thank you for joining us. Where can people find you, dude? Yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, I'm... Stephen Farshid and I are, are still doing our show on Star Trek. We're on uh, Discovery right now, since that's what's live. It's uh, Smorgasbord, a Star Trek Universe podcast. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts if you like Star Trek. And we're about a week behind right now, but we're going to try and make that up in the next couple weeks. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. 
All right, and we will see you next week. Just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and with a shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it, could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace it, Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture pushed over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftover Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture pushed over, pop culture. Leftover, and the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover, the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers.